We're on this uh, few-week journey of going through reflections of Timothy, through the letters of Timothy that Paul wrote to this young man. And, uh, but under, that, uh, under these letters is a developmental pathway for us as men. And that's really where we're spending this uh, semester in the net, is this developmental pathway. And so over the last few weeks, you can listen to the podcast and get some of the notes. But we've, we've focused on really three areas, and you'll see... And your notes there, just your personal development. What it's kind of, it's on you guys. But what, you know, for you to own your development, and, and I've defined it in three ways. It's a, it's a, uh, a gift, a spiritual gift, and we see that reflected in Timothy, where he calls him to guard the gift and fan into flame the gifts of God that's inside of him. We also see it in just the character of this man, Timothy. And we really unpacked that in a lot of detail last week. And then tonight, just wanted to take some time and talk about the skills. Um, the skill piece of, of just what we see in Timothy, but also for us as men. How do we get the nail out of the spot that is causing the most pain? So, so for tonight, um, Bob queued it up great because he referenced my great-grandfather's um, toolbox that uh, has some just great history for me, and uh, you know, just it's um, fun to think about what are the tools. I'm a tool guy, so maybe some of you guys are too. Too, but when you see this image, um, what comes to mind? Home Depot, right? How many of you like going down home to Home Depot? Yep, just a few of us, right? Which one's, what's your favorite aisle at Home Depot? That aisle, right? The tool aisle, right? <laughs> I love it. I love getting armed to the teeth with whatever I've got, even if I'm clueless of what to do with it. At least I look cool, right? You know, <laughs> what tools are in your box, right? And so really tonight, that's what we're talking about. What tool is in your box. So this is this is really a fun night, and it's a night for you to get down on paper. What what really is the stuff that you put your hand to? What what is the skill and the competency that you have that literally has to go to work with you tomorrow? And how you deal, deal you know work that tool is the effectiveness in your job, but also the effectiveness in. You know, your friendships, your relationships, your marriage, and so on. And so, you know, this is really, if you read through Timothy, there's kind of a a core issue in terms of just this young man's development of his skill set. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But first I wanted to illustrate this in in a fun way for me. And I was down uh, two weeks ago, actually the Thursday right after um, uh, two weeks ago, and this is me. And I look amazing. Um, this is me on the back of a buddy's wakeboard boat, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. I grew up sailing and playing around in the Georgia lakes and stuff, but I have never seen this before. This is me about, no kidding, six feet off the back of the wakeboard boat surfing with a surfboard. How many of you have ever seen that before? It's crazy. Where If you do it right, you can actually chuck the rope, the rope and surf the wake. Well, this is my skill level. So here, let's watch. (laughs) That's my skill set. So very good, right? Anybody? 
would say that's pretty good, right? You know, I stayed up, I drifted, but, you know, I, I couldn't stay in the wake. So this is the guy, we were also wakeboarding, and I've only been wakeboarding, like, twice. And so I did all right, but we were with a guy that his 28-year-old son, he's a wakeboarder. So these are grainy and sketchy or whatever, but look at the, see if you see a difference in the skill level. that's me <laughs> all right that's the wrong video but it's it's a good one it proves the point so there you go we let it roll this guy is doing this guy is doing 360s he was jumping the wake it was crazy so it was on my phone but I thought that was so my sweet daughter actually was the one that queued it up and emailed it but uh, it was pretty cool so you get the point it was a great time here I am just surfing ridiculous and then all of a sudden this guy, 10 minutes later, is out there flipping in the wake and landing all of this stuff. And it was just amazing. So, you know, skills. What is our skill levels in whatever we put our hand or our feet to? And it's, it's really a worthy conversation because guys, we're guys, you know. And we got to wake up tomorrow morning and put our hand to something. So I want to get into it tonight. And start just from a standpoint, just from a little bit of my work life, as I work with a lot of leaders. And this is just, this was really, I just put this together because this was very interesting for me to reflect on the last couple of years. I go through these trainings or I go to these conferences or whatever. And so here's three different guys that have an interesting perspective of where we've been the last two weeks. And last week we talked about the character. And this week we're talking about the skills. <clears throat> so my friend and mentor, 72-year-old Paul Stanley, he's been leading with navigators for 40-plus years. He knows a thing or two about leadership and training leaders. And he has this thing in a discipleship context that he talks about the hard skills versus the soft skills in your development. And where he really positions that, especially when he's talking to, you know, organizational business leaders and so on, is how often do we go out as, as business leaders and we hire from what's on the resume? That's really our grid for who's the qualification. We look at the resume, but how do we really assess the soft skills, the character skills? And that's, that's a trickier thing. We're, we're, we're a lot sharper on what's defined, but what's not as clearly defined, the softer skills it's, um, it's tougher. A couple weeks ago, I was with this gentleman, Ken Sandy, and he led a seminar for us. And he was with, he actually started and was with for 25 years, Peacemakers. And Peacemakers is in this conflict resolution uh, space, and he has worked with hundreds, if not thousands, of nonprofits and churches over the years dealing with one thing, conflict resolution. And this guy knows a thing or two about this space. So a few years ago, he came out of that and he basically established this brand around relational wisdom. And instead of conflict resolution, he wanted to do preventative work for conflict. And with that, what he did is he took this 
a little bit elusive space of EQ and EI, and, and some guys understand that better and not, but just the whole idea of social intelligence and emotional intelligence, and marry that with just the IQ, the smarts, the grids that we have, and develop that thinking that came from Paul Stanley, and then he put that through a biblical grid that he calls relational wisdom. And it was fascinating to look at this, but here's two different guys that I'm hearing the tensions between the two of the hard and soft skills. And then finally, this guy, some of you, how many of you know the name Patrick Lencioni? A few guys in the room. So Patrick Lencioni is very established um, in uh, corporate space and uh, works with a lot of organizations and leaders. And so, But his main deal is really around organizational health. And so he's been doing this for 20 years. And so he presents the same idea with a little different vernacular but from an organization's level, is that you can get all of the business tactics brilliant, but that's not really the success factor for what really will establish a great organization. It has to be, there has to be a health within the organization. You can have the best strategy in the world, but unless there's a health to the people and the culture and that kind of thing, he's talking about the soft skills. So here's three different, just very noted teachers who's been doing this 20, 30, and 40 years to talk about the tension of the very thing that we're talking about here these last two weeks. So it's really important what we're talking about. Last week on character and tonight on skills. And so just, just this is, I wanted to share this because this is hands-on, guys. This is the stuff that we deal with day in, day out. You could have the most brilliant mind with the best resume and the best accolades in the world, but you can't trust him as far as you can throw him. And so that's the character side. I heard it once, I heard it said just a few weeks ago, I want to I work, you know, I want to work with a man of character, not just a character. Right? And if I can get both, that's great. But, so tonight we're talking about skills, and I just kind of wanted to set this up because this is real practical. This is where you live every day, and I want you to be able to take some of these things tonight and go right to work with them. So, so let's get into that if we can. Um, and, you know, once again, I'm using an acronym, and in all my uh, time of teaching, I've never really taught from acronyms until really this study and on Timothy. And so, you know, tonight I'm using another acronym. And guys, this isn't really my style. I'm more of the, you know, intuitive, more of the heartfelt, what's the spirit behind this. So this is a little bit against my bent to come and kind of, you know, get on a track um, of good thinking around this. So... Last, uh, the first week was guard the gifts, and that was an acronym. Last week was develop, and then uh, tonight, I just want to use this craft. So you've got your um, notes that you can take some notes on. But guys, as we get into tonight, I want to ask you what your skills are. What, what is the thing that you do? And I just want to actually just take just a, a minute, maybe 90 seconds... And I want you to write them down. It doesn't matter whether it's surfing or cutting down trees or whether it's, you know, cooking a pie. You know, if it's computer programming, whatever it is, just brainstorm. See in 90 seconds if you could write down 15 or 20 things you're really good at. So go ahead. You guys go. Do that.
I love this. No one is looking at me, which is fun. So 30 more seconds. You guys keep going. How many of you, is this uh, a, 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 an easy list for you to write out? I got one. Two? Great. How many, is this a hard list? Awesome. So me, thank you for that. Um, but guys, it's in there, right? Uh, every few weeks, um, once a month rather, I'm on the phone with Dr. John Townsend, who's written some books and stuff, and we get on a, a call with some guys, and he gets in and he sets up his day, or he sets up his 90-minute call with us and where we're going to go for the next 90 minutes. And then he has this thing he calls misery question. And he, related to the issue at hand, what is the misery question? What's the worst situation you've ever faced in this area? And it's just like, I hate that. Why does he do that? He sets up these calls and he, he immediately gets us into the worst possible situation. So you feel like junk before you even get into the call. So you're almost totally distracted. But here he is a psychologist, but he does this for a reason. Because he doesn't want this to be some intellectual exercise for 90 minutes. He wants you to engage. And man, when I think about that misery question related to the topic that we're going through for 90 minutes, I'm engaged pretty quickly when I think about how miserable I was in that situation. So in this case, tonight, I want you to engage not where you're miserable, but where you're really good at. I want you to make this thing personal for where you're at. Put yourself in the situation of Timothy. Timothy was coming into um, a season, and this is what really was the purpose, especially for the first letter of Paul, that the church was really completely out of order, if I could say it that way. There was a huge need for church leadership. There was doctrine problems, and there were just the issues in the church was rampant. You see language on there about how women should work with and why we need elders and what they look like and deacons, and there's instructions on how people should conduct themselves. Holy smokes, there, this is a tall order for Timothy to step in there to do this. And so he needed some skills to be able to do that. And so this first letter, man, it is a, you know, could you imagine getting a letter like that? Hey, I want you to go here and get involved with this church and and go basically just get everything right and in order. And there's women to deal with and there's men that are got some crazy thinking and, you know, and just get everything in order. And here's a letter of encouragement to get you going. Man, that's the, that's the first letter of Timothy, right? <laughs> the, the more encouragement, the more personal letter is really one the second letter, which is kind of fun. So, but let's take a look at that in terms of just biblically as we get into this. And I want to frame the, the craft C of this thing around your competencies and skills. And just as a setup for where Timothy was coming from, really, what is this about? What's the purpose? Why are we even talking about this tonight? And I just want to affirm you and encourage you. It's because it is a good work that you do. And that's really why I titled this productivity or the productive path. Because, guys, when you put your hands to something, it produces something, right? And how does it make you feel? Great! Right? 
You see a task, there's a job to be done, you put your hands to it, and it's a win for you because we're built that way, and Timothy is no different. So this is a good work. And so with that in mind, I just want to take just a few minutes and set this up tonight of kind of the biblically-based thinking around this good work. So the first of it here is, is, um, is in the first letter of command them to do what is good, just like he's doing, and to be rich in good deeds. And this is Paul exhorting Timothy to go do this, exhort these guys to get into the good works that they're about. To the generous and, and willing to share, and he's really specifically addressing folks you know, with some means, um, who have some abilities and, some, and some, who are stewarding resources, in particularly riches So then in this next one, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is the language really around just understanding the scriptures, and you're going to be trained by that. But why do we do that? So that we're thoroughly equipped, because there's a good work, there's an expectation around the work that Timothy's getting ready to go do. Now this is, I want to just invite you just into a little bit of my personal time in the scriptures and this is, and I've shared this kind of in context um, of how I read, and that's the next slide, is just doing what is good. And if you guys want to flip over in your page to the next letter, and that next letter is in Titus. And if you have your Bibles, just follow along with me um, in this Titus. And this is amazing to me, and I'm not sure exactly when I picked this up. It was a couple of years ago, but I just... I remember reading through this one morning, just kind of devotionally, and sometimes when I'm really quiet and I'm really paying attention, some of these things just pop out. I mean, you could find this stuff from a concordance, um, but in this case, it was just coming off the page. I had probably just read through First and Second Timothy, and then all of a sudden, here it is. This is amazing to me. So I'm just going to read through these out of Titus 1, verses 8. Rather, he must be hospitable, and he's talking about leaders. One who loves must uh, what is good. And then further down, he has the same thing here in 16. Unfit for doing anything good. And then chapter 2, 7. Um, and everything to be an example for doing what is good. Now, that one particularly was of interest to me because here Paul's writing to Titus, to be an example to do what is good, it was almost the exact same thing that he wrote to Timothy. You know, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but what? What does he tell him to do? Be an example, right. And so here, both Paul, Paul is talking to both Titus and Timothy for a good work, a good work that's being productive. And then he, he continues on this. So, um, chapter 2, verse 14, eager to do what is good. And then verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, ready to do whatever is good. And then in 8, uh, verse 8, he says, and, what, and I stress these things to you that so you have trusted God to be able to carefully devote yourself to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And that is a big idea that he echoes down here in verse 14 in the last note here our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for 
their necessities and not live unproductive lives. And that's the verse that I've got up there. That there's this idea here that's consistent in both Timothy and Titus of what's excellent and profitable and also what's productive. And that productive comes through this repeated message again and again and again and again. Are you getting this, guys, of doing what is good? Well, where does this goodness come from? Yeah, it's the character but if you look through the list of eldership, you look through the noble you know, aspirations of what it is to be a leader, there's a list of characteristics of a leader, but also the things that a leader does, what they, what they put their hands to. And so, guys, this is a good work that we're engaged to. And then, boy, this, this, uh, this one has a lot of uh, history of discussions around it, at least for me. But back to 1 Timothy chapter 8. Um, sorry, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. If anyone of you does not provide for his own relatives, especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we get kind of this high level of just like spiritual, I'm going to just fan into flame the gifts of God, and we're going to go out for the kingdom, and, and God does a great work through gifts. But then there's this character that we talked about in detail. But then, wait a second, hang on. If, I mean, you could be the greatest guy in the world, but if you're not providing for your family and you're not providing for those closest to you in need, then, man, whoa, this is strong language. You're worse than an unbeliever. So the implication there, if you kind of put the theme of these pages together of doing a good work, that at some point you put your hands to something and it's going to be productive or excellent or profitable Man, I find that language really liberating to me. Because there's a lot of health and wealth garbage out there. There's a lot of self-help, secular thinking around this. But here we are with a letter to a spiritual son from a dad saying, put your hands to something. And when you do, it's going to be profitable and excellent and productive. And again and again and again, put your hands to a good work. And so when you look at that list of what you're really good at, This is the fun stuff for me, guys, is that when you put your hands to it, it's just as enriching as the very spiritual gifts that God has given you. That God wants to use your craftsmanship to be a witness for the kingdom and to be productive and provide for your families in the most practical sense that you put this thing to work as soon as tomorrow morning. So... So this is the sea of the craft, and this is really kind of the essence of what's there. It's the foundation behind that. And, and I just I kind of go through this with the hope that this may intrigue you to really get your eyes back on this in your devo- devotional time. Read back through this for yourself. Look through these words, and really just let the Spirit resonate something with you. Let, this, let the Spirit open your mind and heart to specifically how He wants you to just grow and mature in your craftsmanship. So let's keep going. Resources. What has been entrusted to you? Yesterday I was at this CLA lunch thing. Um, it's, it's a great thing here in town. Uh, Christian Leader uh, Alliance or something like that. And it's all these Christian leaders that meet once a month. And anybody, any of you guys can come to it. It's really a lot of fun. The chief of staff of Colorado Springs was there. Man, what a powerhouse lady. I mean, she's got a $400 million city budget. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing to listen to her. And when I'm sitting here looking at that, what has been entrusted to you? I don't know how many of you guys are managing a $400 million budget, but you know what? That's entrusted to her. 
So what is entrusted to you? What resources, what budget, when you look at your business, when you look at the work, where you're at, what you're managing, what, what has been entrusted to you, and it's really a question of stewardship. What are the, and so around stewardship, what are the resources that have been given to you? And, and so I just put on here, you know, um, don't look beyond before um, you see what's been given. And so sorry for the typo there. But it's just, it's amazing. I, I fall into this trap so often. I'm always looking at what, you know, what I could be doing versus, man, what's been entrusted to me today? You know, time with my family, you know, just the, the paycheck, the, the resources that I've got for today. And guys, take a hard look. And I don't, I don't put that up there to be rhetorical, but you have been given so much. When you look at Timothy, the, the chapter 6 in um, he speci- specifically talks to the rich man. Well, guys, um, we're not living in the third world, and most of you guys drove here tonight, and you got a full meal in you from dinner. You're a rich man. Amen? So you've got resources that have been entrusted to you, and so what are those? So take account for that. So where do you go to learn, guys? Where, where, where is it that you are literally taking that list your list, and where are you going to learn and develop those, um, those the traits of the craftsmanship that you've been given and that you work at? Where do you go for that? And, you know, I just wrote down books as one place, and, and this is one of the things that I wanted to share with you tonight. Um, I may, some of you guys heard me talk about starting this thing. I was so convicted because I just threw out the idea that, you know, I'm a mess because my, you know, I'm so disorganized and it's causing me stress and, and uh, you know, and so I left here three weeks ago thinking, I got to go clean my garage. I got to clean my office because it's creating stress. Well, one thing led to another and now I'm reading this book. Getting things done, right? Man, I'm like a productivity machine, man. <laughs> and so this is a resource for me that's really helping right now and it's something I read years ago but you know what are the books that are helping you and I'm going to pass these around for you guys to look at you know this is something guys I mean there's so many books but just in terms of just a practical skill set that you could be working on that's an example in terms of just your skill of what is it to pray you know what is it to even read the bible uh, what is it to even journal? And man, this, this is a, I call it a classic book because it's been around for a long time. And I think it's inscribed by, I love doing this. Is it? Did he do it? Well, this book came from my father-in-law who's sitting right in front of me. So thanks, Dad. Disciplines of a Godly Man. So this is a great one, but it's just, it's brass tacks and it just kind of helps guys with um, just where they want to grow spiritually. And then this is another book from my father-in-law because he gives me a lot of books. This sucker is just, I mean, this is a secular book, and it literally goes through and breaks down the character traits and competencies and ways that you want to grow. I mean, it's an incredible book if you want to fork down 100 bucks for it. But it's a great book. And so, guys, what are the resources that you're using to really grow. And I've heard it said that leaders are learners. And so what are you, what are you learning? And so then the very next question is kind of gets back to our Timothy piece. 
is who, you know, who, who is helping you? Who can help mentor you? Who are the, the guys in your life that are helping you say, okay, I see that you're here and you want to get moving here. And who, um, who is that person? And so just as a segue for next week, I was, I was planning on going one direction and I was on my run this morning and I was just praying and thinking through this. For next week, um, that's really where I want to focus our last reading and we're going to wrap up Timothy next week. But I want you to read Timothy one last time and I want you to read through it with eyes to see the who of Timothy. Who are the characters that are in Timothy? And more particularly, who are the characters that are in Timothy's life? And so read Timothy, and if you want to throw in Titus, because we talked about it tonight, read it for the who. And then we're going to talk about the who of Timothy next week, and we're also going to talk about the who of your life. So again, in terms of just resources, who are the people that you have access to um, uh, two in your life. So, so the next one on abilities, man, guys, I, I love this. Um, some of you guys, there are so many assessments that are out there. Um, and how many of you guys have done a strength finders type assessment? Okay. So one more time, how many of you have done a strength finders? Okay. This is the biggest win that I can give you for nine ninety nine. You can go home tonight and you can go online and take a strength finders thing, and it'll take you just a few minutes. And that thing spits out really a great sound assessment of your strengths. I mean, there are lots of assessments out there, but this is one that has, has been tested times the millions. But it really gives you a great assessment of your strengths. And so these are kind of your natural abilities. And so what is that? And man alive, do we see that in Timothy or what? He has to come into this situation with the church, and he has got leadership on him. Now, there's some timidity that's in there, but he has got leadership on him. And we see him kind of growing into that uh, through the letter. He's also a teacher. I mean, you you look at the language uh, several times. Paul mentions, mentions just the issues of of doctrine, you know, people who devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, and and then um, you know, here we say, you know, later, um, you know, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. I mean, th- th- this was a this was an unbelievable culture of just this melting pot of Greek ideas and Jewish customs that were kind of dead and dying out, and then you have this new faith. It's coming in, and it's just centered around the resurrected Christ. I mean, man, there was a lot of crazy thinking. And so this Timothy, this young teacher, gets to come in and teach in that environment. How about that, right? That sounds like a good time. Um, And then just the discipleship, when we see some of that language, you know, all the way into just how he invests into others. And so, um, so, guys, what are your natural strengths? You know, I asked you earlier to make a list of what your uh, skills are. I would just like you just to spend just a second. Natural strengths. What, What is it that you have that's inside of you that just, you know, maybe it's easy for you and maybe you observe it. This isn't a comparison thing so much, but you just observe other people and they struggle in this area, but it's just something that's easy for you. And so, guys, what is that? 
What is that? And just take just a second, and I want you to just write down five things. Right now, just take five, just write down five things. What are, what are natural strengths in a word or phrase? What are your natural strengths? Most guys don't like this when I do this, but right now I don't really mind it so much. It's worth the risk. But who would be so bold, if that's one of your strengths, to share one of your strengths? Because I know some of you guys, and it's, it's fun, fun for me. So if you and I were just sitting privately alone and I asked you this question, you know, you wouldn't be so slow to tell me. But, Dad? Intuitiveness. Amen to that. Problem solving, great. Forgiveness, awesome. Bob? Teach. Cool. Adapt. Awesome. Organization, great. I need your help. <laughs> Anyone else? Come on, guys. Just easy. Bob? Belief. Amen. What else? Come on, guys. Sorry? Creativity, great. Patience, man. Awesome. Technology? Did you say that? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> That's great. Good job, Michael. Anyone else, please? Trust. Great. Love it. Anyone else, please? This is your strengths, guys. Come on. People, okay? Great. Being quiet and learning, that's great. So humble, I'm proud of it. No, that's mine. No. <laughs> that's great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. So this last question may seem a little bit odd, but it's really tied to just um, some history that I have with a mentor, a coach friend of mine that leads an organization called Your One Degree. And that may be worth for some of you guys who may define yourself as stuck in life. You're in this transition and you're just kind of stuck and a friend of mine runs an organization called Your One Degree, just to repeat it again. And it really helps guys kind of get moving in this area. And one of the key tools that they use to help guys get moving is really rooted in this question. How many hours a day do you spend working in your strength? And I'll give you an example for me. Um, I am not a logistics guy. But I have a history of spending six, seven, eight hours a day working logistics. Now, my good friends would come up and say, you're an idiot, Russell. But sometimes I have to do that. Well, the problem is if I do that for long periods of time, everybody suffers. And usually it's pretty costly for me. Can anybody relate to that? So that's, a, that's an example for me that, that it's just what is the area of strength or your abilities that you need to be stewarding your strengths, and so this isn't just kind of a feel-good exercise. God's given you strengths, and he's given you things to put your hands to, and that you can literally calendarize and go through your day and be able to look at areas where you're using those strengths. And when you do, my guess is those are, the very li- those are some of the most life-giving days 
for you as well as the others in your life. Is that, does that resonate with some of you guys? Is that a new idea? How many of that is a new idea for you guys? Some? Good. Think on it, guys. But if you, if you look at that, if you want to take the strength finders, go through that, and then literally just do an experiment for me. Come back next week and tell me I'm crazy. Do the strength finders and literally track the number of hours in your day over the next week, how much time you spend using your strengths. And pay attention to that. And it will be very telling for you. But this is how practical this is, guys. So that's the abilities. All it is is, guys, use your strengths. I encourage you to do so. So on the F, um, this one is kind of, this is a weird one a little bit. And really I just had to get grounded um, biblically on this thing. And there's, there's, there's a lot of language around this. But as you know, especially as you've read the second letter of Timothy, you see a little bit more of the personal and the more vulnerable side of Timothy. Because the first one, it was really more of this exhortation and this charge to go out to do this great work. And then the second letter is really more of a tender letter, more as a father like to a son. And so you see this kind of spirit of this language and this sonship and father relationship. For God has not given you the spirit of timidity, Timothy, or fear, but of power, love, and discipline. And man, that's your strength, and I see it in you, and I call that out of you. Power, love, and strength is inside of you, but yet something is inside of you also that's locking you up in fear and timidity. Can anyone relate to that? Okay. We deal with that as men, all of us. And Timothy is not alone in that. And we're not alone in that. It's an issue for all men. And it's just something in terms of just limiters or things that keep us from stepping into our strength, stepping into the fullness of the skill that God's given us, is because we've got these things that are just roadblocks. Whether it's a mental, or whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, this, there's something that is just getting in our way. And so I use the word fear here because that was the issue with Timothy. But wherever there's fear, man, there's all sorts of potential for God to come in and wipe that fear out and replace that thing with faith. Amen? Which is why we're here tonight. How many of you need some more faith? I certainly do. I need a whole lot less fear, right? <laughs> So I'm right with Timothy on this thing, you know. So what keeps you from growing? And, and actually, let's just take just a second and give you guys 60 seconds. And I, and I really, we identified a couple here, fears and, and failures and fumbles. But I really would like you to be specific. What keeps you from growing? Really. And I want you to just write down four or five things real quick.
Some of you guys have met him because he's taught in the net, but Paul Stanley, um, he may be able to join us in the fall here uh, yet. But um, out of 40 years of le- uh, working with leaders, he, he said the, the best learner is not experience. That's an interesting statement, Paul. What do you mean by that? That actually the best, the best um, is evaluated experience is that when you take the time to really look and take a hard, critical look at your experience and you evaluate that experience, do you guys just live in the shame of your failures? Or do you really take the time and just God's given you enough grace for that to really evaluate what was happening there and then be able to learn for that so that you can grow and mature through that? Some guys are stuck in their shame. Because they fumbled, they stumbled, they made a mistake, whatever. But is there grace for that here? Guys, is there grace for that? Amen. And there's grace through confession and bringing light on some of these areas. But if there's no confession and there's no light brought to these areas of our lives, we stay kind of in the darkness of our fears on this thing. And the fact is that that little statement is an epidemic among men everywhere. If you look at the core issues for men everywhere, that is really at its core. So the fact that you guys are even here tonight, well done. Well done. You're here, you're engaging with other guys, and you know what? Just the fact that you're even showing up tonight means that you're not going to be bound by fear or failure or even little fumbles that drive you crazy, right? And so you know what? I want to be the kind of guy that learns and grows through these experiences that just nearly take the wind out of us sometimes, right? So let us be those kind of guys that just take a hard look at that. And so what are the things, guys, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage with you a little bit more. Just give me a few things. What keeps you from growing? Laziness, okay. Commitment, okay. Lack of commitment, yeah. Lack of time. No vision. Yeah. What else? Pride. Okay. Yeah. Supportive team. What else, guys? Scared to try something new. Okay. What else? Anybody else? Got some challenges? What keeps you from growing? Random busyness, yeah. The tyranny of the good versus the great. (laughs) Yeah. Procrastination, you're the only one. (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) Anyone else? One or two more. Self-worth, thank you for that, yes. You know what, let's just take off of that, and thank you for sharing that. Lack of self-worth. How many of you resonate with that here tonight? Yeah, thank you. So so as we look at that and bring light to that, where does that, you know, it gets us moving. And it just, it really, how do you appropriate faith into these areas? And really, guys, it's just there for the asking. It really is. Just in the asking. But just even in your confession of these areas that are keeping you from growing, 
that is a confession. And it gets you moving. Can you guys feel that? For those of you who shared? Do you feel that? It's almost like bringing it to light. And, and, and then when you do that, you open up room for faith to move in. So thank you guys. So that's the F. And then as we move into the T, um, my first instincts was the issue with time. Man, that's, that's one of my biggest challenges. It's, and the issue is not the clock. The issue is not the clock. The issue is more around the priorities of that. So no one ever has enough time. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the lie. We all struggle with the time. Priorities help, you know, so the issue is priorities. What's your priorities? And when you have those priorities, and man, when they're clearly written, then, then you can measure those things and you can really put some, bring some order to that. So, so beware of the tyranny of the urgent. How many of you are good reactors, right, versus the proactive? Man, that's a tough balance. It really is, you know. If I get just a little bit of proactive, I'm really good for the rest of the reactive, right? <laughs> you know, but if it's all reactive, man, I run out of gas pretty fast. So, tearing in the urgent. So, what's, what, what gets us moving in this area of just time? It's proactive, diligent discipline. And, man, there's a host of Proverbs around that idea for you guys who want to take that word, diligent discipline towards um, the task at hand and then just planning and prayer and so you can just really submit that thing to the lord and just watch out commit your ways to the lord and your plans will what commit your way to the lord and your plans will what prosper succeed amen so so this t here time and training and i really wanted to capture this thing and kind of look back at this thing biblically once again um, if you go back to 1 Timothy 4 and look at verse 7, we just looked at it a second ago, but have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the present life and the life to come. And... And so then it's just worthy to note here um, just the, the area of training that uh, is mentioned once again just in 2 Timothy 3.16. One of the most useful training tools that you can have in your tool belt is 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I just want to take a second and, and look at something with you guys. And maybe you've seen this before, and um, maybe this is the first time. But 2 Timothy 2, it's really the classic um, opening line, just the definition of discipleship, and we see that. And we talked about that last week. So then you, my son, verse 1, you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And these things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. So that sets up the discipleship. It's this imparting to the next group. And it's by the grace that's been given. So what an interesting thing 
that here, here is the essence of discipleship, which comes out of the grace that's been given. And then where does Paul go next with this thing? And so here in verse 3, endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serves as a soldier getting involved with civilian affairs, but he wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive a victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And a hard-working farmer is first to receive the share of the crops. And then I love this. So Timothy... I know this is kind of an interesting statement, but here I'm giving you this. So, Timothy, reflect on what I'm seeing, saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. And so here we're given a model from Paul to Timothy of these three personas tied up with three very specific skill sets. That you have the soldier and you have the athlete and the farmer and that through them, there's three very specific disciplines that they do, that they put their hands to. And it's in that that we see different models for how the work gets done. Now, I love this statement by Paul because it keeps tripping me up with this. And I've been looking at this for a few years now. But reflect on all this. It's almost like stop reading for a second and reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insight into this. I don't have the answer and I'm not suggesting I know what Paul was thinking or the, or the exercise, you know, what, where we're supposed to go with this. But if you look at it and just good, good biblical inductive reasoning, if I can use that language, look at the context once again He's given us a model for discipleship, and he's given us a way in which we're to work. Now, I'm not saying to take this out of context, but could it be that as we work in word discipline and diligence in our areas of work, or craftsmanship, if I can use that word tonight, of how the soldier soldiers, or how the athlete runs his race, or how... The farmer conducts his work, that it's in that, that we literally see the four generation impact of investing into people. That there is something about the character of how we work that sets up our ability to have influence in the relationships of people in our lives. Now, I've never taught this before, and I haven't really labored this thinking, but as I look at this again and again, reflect on what I'm saying, and the Lord will give you the insight. Could it be, gentlemen, could it be that maybe through the very platform of influence that God has given you as a fighter pilot, as a, as a furniture guy, as a construction guy, as a leader, as a manager, as a technician, that God literally has placed you there as a soldier and an athlete and as a farmer and how you conduct yourself literally is the very means in which God is going to create disciples. That is a big idea for me, guys. And it is really fun to think about how it plays out.
I get surprised by this stuff all the time. So I just, I was working a job site. I'm in this transition between coaching and working with leaders, but I've been doing furniture for 17 years. I shared this story one other time, but it just it is so strong on me right now. And it was really a gift for me. But we were installing furniture over here at a job site, and this guy comes up to me just, you know, a few months ago. And he goes, you're Russell, right? And I'm like, am I? You know, and so he comes up to me, and so we, we exchange a little bit. And he goes, I remember you. Wow. When did we meet? Right? I don't remember him. When did we meet? He said it was, um, let's see, you moved here from Georgia, right? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, and you had two daughters, I said, yeah, that's amazing. Yes, I have two daughters. And he goes, that would have been about 10 or maybe 11 years ago now, right? And we met on a job site in downtown Denver. And when we were working down there, you took time to talk to me about my kid. And you shared with me some things about how to be a father and how you were influenced as a father. And I'll never forget that conversation because it really helped me be the dad that I am. And so I just wanted to say thank you for that. And it was such a gift to me that you have, and I don't even remember that conversation, you know, but barely because of the context of the work. But that was something that was 11 years ago. It was before I even moved here, actually. So it might have been 12 years ago, but yet it just was a gift. And guys, I just share that tonight out of, and some of you guys have those stories as well. But you never know in the context of your just feels like mundane job sometimes when that one five-minute conversation, God may use that thing to literally unlock the kingdom of God in ways that you have no idea. And so, guys, let us be faithful. Let us be faithful to the craft that God has given us That literally the kingdom of God can be built through a construction site through slop and concrete. Amen? You just never know. That it is not from necessarily, it's whatever platform God has given you today. And how you develop and grow and strengthen your skill, your competency, your craftsmanship... God wants to use that as you steward that and partner with him just to give you influence in ways that relationally I pray and hope it blow your mind. So guys, be faithful with that. So that's craftsmanship. And it's fun to go through this thing, guys, tonight because it just, it, this, this one particularly is so sticky Because it's the stuff that we get to put our hands to that you never know when you have an opportunity to witness to a guy depending on how you manage the surfboard, right? Oh, Russell's down again. How's he doing with that board knocking him in the head or whatever it is, right? You just never know what craftsmanship God has used you because you're good at something and your neighbor calls you over to help him with something and that opens the door for a conversation that would have never happened If you weren't good in this one particular area, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. But God has given you this thing 
for a purpose and a reason. And yeah, it's just as important as the character that you have and the gifts of God that he wants to fan into flame. And we see this unlocked every time we read Timothy. It is amazing to me. And I've been reading this for a long time, and it is so fun to talk about this. So these last questions, just as we end tonight, is just, what is your craft? And you began writing down some of these things, and I think it's important for you just to share a couple of those things. And if you could go back to your list and maybe just put a couple asterisks or stars next to one or two areas that you really sense tonight that you're to grow in, whether it's learning how to have a conversation with your wife, right, because something is off, or, you know, something, you know, in your, in your workplace, whatever it is, this is for you to go to work on this thing. And so what is your craft? And then how can you develop that? And then just if you can dream a little bit, guys. Dream a little bit. How could God possibly use that thing? And maybe you share a story. How has God already opened doors that never would have been opened without the craft that he's been given that he's given you. So, so that's the craft. And I, again, I, the acronyms just, you know, this is kind of news teaching style for me, but it's helpful to get some traction. I hope they're helpful for you. And, um, I'm going to continue. I'm, I want to be faithful as to continue to developing these things so that guys can really go to work with them. So for next week, our last week in Timothy, again, as I alluded to earlier, I just want you to read Timothy and Titus, if you would, with the who in mind. Who are the characters that are there? And so for next week, their closing week, we're going to talk about just who are the people in Timothy's life and who are the people in your life. So let me pray and then you guys can discuss. Father, thank you for these men tonight. Thank you for just their faithfulness to show up. And Lord, I just pray that um, as we kind of hit the, the fear and failure part of this talk, that that would not cripple these guys. Lord, that you would just completely pour your grace and mercy and forgiveness over those areas. And, and just in these next few minutes, Holy Spirit, just move among these guys just to just speak life and encouragement and equipping over them that they could literally take these ideas and put them right to work tomorrow morning when they go. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. It is, it is so fulfilling that it is equipping us for the, the good work that you have for us. And we thank you that you've given us this charge. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.